This is not a standard episode of Smart Enough to Know Better. If you're looking for a standard episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, look for the integers. This is a 0.5 episode. We are a floating point episode. Now, Greg is somehow both too busy and too on holiday to do a 0.5 episode this month. So I get to do something I've been wanting to do for ages. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Punk Theatre. <laughs> and welcome back to the podcast, Carrington Vanston. How are you, Carrington? I'm excellent. I just keep coming back. Are you ever not excellent? Uh, no, you- I, I maintain a standard of what I consider excellence. Tell how you define it. Yep, yep, I've seen that. So this is your third appearance on the podcast. That makes you an official friend of the podcast now. Does it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, look, you, you don't have any say in this. <laughs> oh, I see. Then okay, friend of the podcast I am. Then does that mean I can borrow money from the podcast? The podcast will help uh, me move? What, what do I get for this friendship? Yeah, we can help you move. Excellent. Virtually. Now, I have got Carrington on the podcast today because I want to talk about movies More specifically, a certain type of movie, which is sequels and prequels. Now, obviously, there are movies that come out and they are very successful and they make a lot of money and people in Hollywood love money. (laughs) They they want to make more money. And they found a brilliant solution. Now, Carrington, what are your credentials when it comes to talking about movies? My credentials, well, I've made films. I've talked about films. I've, for quite a while, quite a few years, a film review podcast. I have another one of those coming out at the end of the month. A podcast I used to do called Double Take. A host and I are launching that again. Um, some guy who loves hey, films makes some. Yeah, I think so. We'll see. But yeah, we think it's good news. So that's coming back. And uh, so I've reviewed films and made films and just all about films for many, many a year. And I've seen, you know, a couple of dozen. At least. Yeah, that's the important. (laughs) I thought that was the more important bit. (laughs) You would think. Yeah, I've seen a few of them. And you used to review in a single word. I did indeed. Yes, I also did one word film review. It's it's so much less work than having a whole bunch of words. Yeah, I don't know about that. I reckon you could just knock out a whole bunch of words and sort of get close to the... But to find a one word that reviews (laughs) the film? Well, only if you're doing a different word every time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Good, bad, good, 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 good. good. Uh, And so have you ever made a sequel or prequel? I have not. No. For the longest time, I was not, like, in generally didn't like the idea of sequels and prequels. I was against them, particularly prequels. I've come around on this. I no longer think that way. But I initially used to think prequels were were a terrible idea, just inherently a bad thing that you um, you know how it's it's going to end for the characters. Like the idea was there must be less narrative impact or less uh, narrative drama because we know who can't die. We know the state it's going to end in because we've seen the future. We've seen the original. I no longer think that way. Mostly because because somebody oh. reminded me that I can enjoy films more than once. I can read a book more than once. I can like it the second time. I can know every even though you know film. how it's going to end. Exactly. If it's something good, it's something good, regardless of whether it's a sequel or prequel. So I no longer mm. am against them. I do think there are good sequels and there are good prequels. I realize disagree. that I, I, I well, I do disagree. I don't. I, I think there, 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 there is another flaw in a prequel. <gasps> another flaw. Will, that can undermine it. Change, um, change my mind. Do it. I do have it. done a bunch of impro theatre in my time. You have. And I, and, and I can hear audience members <laughs> flipping off already uh, or flipping me off. Uh, but uh, there is something that we are trying to avoid, which is something called bridging. 
So you sort of start a story and by the very nature of whatever you've been challenged to do, there's something else in the story that's got to happen. And it, bridging means that you're sort of just filling in the time and using that thing that's got to happen as the, the, the climax of the story. And all that means is that you've got the beginning of the story, which is not that interesting, the end of the story that the audience already knows, and you're just making up a bunch of nonsense to fill in the gaps. And so you're trained to use that, whatever that thing, that offer is, and then cast yourself into the out into the darkness because that's where the impro is. That's where the storytelling is. So if you're telling a movie and the audience knows where you're going and knows where you're coming from, you better. it's going to make it a lot harder for you to tell a great story in there. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the argument that most or a lot of strongly genred narrative types, you do a rom-com, we know where it's going. There's not a lot of surprise endings. Um, lots of films open and then do flashbacks and doesn't mean we've lost all ability to tell a good story in a great rom-com though there's always the hope that one of the characters will die <laughs> tragically <laughs> not all of us see rom-coms with that hope in mind yes but then at least you're relieved when it doesn't i it doesn't even occur to me it will to be honest there's no relief at all you, just, you've just, never seen city of angels then uh, i have seen city of angels <laughs> but mostly i just hope that in the end one of them suddenly realizes they have to be together and then there's running and then there's kissing and then it ends running and kissing it must be the running and then kissing. <laughs> Carrie investor story then you, do you have favorite uh, prequels? Prequels that prequels? we like. Yes, this sure. works like gangbusters. Uh, absolutely. Casino Royale. That's prequel. I think it's good. So Casino Royale, you, is this, uh, do you mean that the, the, the 2006 the, one? 2006 one, yeah. not the 60s one. Um, uh, with Peter es- Sellers. Escape from Planet of the Apes. Lots of genre films, right? I mean, the Planet of the Apes film, they did a couple of those, blew up the entire world. I mean, what story do you have to tell now? It's just going to be set in space. So let's do some prequels. And some of them are okay. I think Rogue One in the Star Wars, that's, that's a prequel. And I think it's an excellent film. Good, the oh, good, okay. the bad, and the ugly. That, that's, you know, the third film in a loose trilogy, but it's distinctly a sequel because it's the, the, the non-Civil War setting. So, and I think it's an excellent film and it's a prequel. Well, you've brought up the the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, the term prequel has been around since the fifties. I think Butcher invented it um, or coined it rather. But it's 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 a nihilism, definitely. But I, the first time I remember hearing that word and it, that it stuck was the Star Wars prequels. Like that's yep. that's what taught me that term, even if it was around before that. I only really learned it because of the Star Wars prequels, which I'm old enough to have not liked. Because I had my Star Wars. Like, mm. the best Star Wars is made when you're a kid, and I was no longer a kid for the prequels, so they are not as good. Yeah, yeah, simple as that. Yeah. And, and all these people who are like, oh, these new Star Wars films are no good because the ones with Jar Jar, they were exceptional. You're like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's universally it was- recognized that the best music was when I was a teenager, yeah. obviously. Yeah, that's when, that's when it really spoke to people. Right. <laughs> By people, I mean me. But people, yeah, me and my friends. Yeah, exactly. So you, so there's never been a prequel that you like um, that you can think of. It's there are some prequels that I didn't know were prequels when I was okay. watching them. There's the Indiana Jones one. Oh sure, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, Temple of Doom is a is a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, sure. But I then, don't think it's a, as good of a film. <laughs> so that's not an example of a good no. prequel. I think. No, um, I guess a prequel is is good because if it's not as good as the original film, then at least on a timeline, they get better. 
So right. you watch the prequel first and it's not as good. Right. Okay, it's okay. Better. Right. Because it is the case, I think, that a lot of sequels, the Beverly Hills Cop trajectory, where you go good, not as good, terrible. Or you get Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, Blade, oh, Blade 2, Blade yeah. Trinity. Like, they just, they drop off. Austin Powers does that. Mighty Ducks does that. Like, Godfather series does that. Like, that's just, it's the third one you got to watch out for. Like, that's just Yeah, because how it goes. no one knows how to make a perfect movie. Like, no one who was making a movie that was, like, amazing knew how they would knew how they did right. it or else they would just continue to do it and obviously right. steven spielberg seems to be keeping a secret from all the other filmmakers <laughs> but but a lot uh, of films that are considered classics you look at maltese falcon you look at the thin man nobody at the time thought those were going to be long-term amazing classics they're just yep. making a film and it just they just somehow it took then to make a sequel you've got to make a film which reflects where the last film left off but with a new story hmm like there's no chance that's ever going to be better than that's the original not true. because because the first one was inspired to someone was inspired to tell a story and the second one someone was <laughs> okay, inspired to, make money. to tell the next story after that story oh, okay okay perhaps yes and it's definitely the case like you said at the beginning the motivation is most sequels do better financially than an average not based on anything film. Like if the first film did $100 million, the sequel is likely to do 70 and $70 million is more than a box office flop. So that, that's the motivation. But st- I still think there are excellent sequels that are as good as or yeah, better than the originals. Um, um, Star Trek 2? better than Rathacon the originals? Is, yeah, Rathacon is better than Star Trek motion picture. Mad Max 2? That's an Australian film. Better than Mad Max in all ways. Yeah. Well, Wrath of Khan's... In, like, the, the Star Trek ones are, are very interesting because they kind of stemmed there. out of serial storytelling. Mm-hmm. Good so point. Okay. there was a sense that if you'd made a bunch of movies, each movie would be a new story approached from a serialized storytelling point of view. You already had the setup. The, the first Star Trek movie was not a movie about the characters in Star Trek. It was a Star Trek story. Mm-hmm. Getting back on the ship, getting the band back yeah. together. Right. Whereas if you looked at something like Back to the Future, that was a time travel movie that someone mm-hmm. went, oh, I've got an idea for a time travel movie and I'll write these characters. And then they had to write more movies Right. Uh, to, and what's to interesting about those is they the filmed world. this. That was the first time I remember them filming two films at once. They filmed Back to the Future 2 and 3 essentially simultaneously. It was one big, long, extended shoot divided into mm. two films. And that was the first time I heard of somebody doing that. I think Evil Dead 2 is better than the original Evil Dead. Well, that's a bit of a controversial take. Empire Strikes Back? That's not a bad. I would, who would say Empire Strikes Back is a bad sequel? You, apparently. So, let's have, well. <laughs> Uh, in the context of stories having to jump off the back of the, the last story, mm. there, there's another set of sequels, which are the first movie was kind of low budget and they did what they could. And then the next movie, someone gave them a bunch more ah, money. Right, right. So like um, Desperado would be like that. El Mariachi made on a yep, sh- like a credit card budget and then Desperado. Okay, uh, that'd be Yeah. You Evil Dead Austin Two. Powers Evil Dead Two before. is that way. Evil Dead Two. Yeah, it's that definitely had, that way. That, like that was a. They had more resources. Yeah. Um, Austin Powers Two is interesting because it's because you don't think it's as good as the first one. Um, I think Austin more, Powers Two is almost as good as the first one. It's the third one. I think is the is gold, gold member is, goes off a cliff. Yeah. But the second one is they reuse a bunch of jokes, mm-hmm. so it's almost like they wanted to make the first film again, but with resources and so there are a couple of sequels that end up doing that sort of thing 
Yes. But I mean, that's kind of part and parcel with why one makes a sequel there with all film and all narrative there there's the baggage the audience brings. And like, that's part of the, the power of, of, of a trope of a whatever. Like I don't have to say yeah. everything. I can just say this, this is Mr. Spock. Everyone knows what's going on. Great. Okay, we can just move on. So you get a bit of shorthand. So that can also be an advantage to a sequel. Yeah, I suppose so. And then I guess that's kind of the benefit to some of those bigger Marvel films mm-hmm. is that you can have like this big cast of characters, this very epic story being told, but you don't have to explain to everyone who Ant-Man is. Right. But like with Star Trek, as you point out, it, it comes from like the Marvel movies, the DC movies, all these universe movies we have nowadays come from a, a tradition of serialized storytelling in their comics. So mm. it's kind of built so into the idea. So it's storytelling based on character almost. It's like we can tell a hundred stories because we've got these characters rather than I am going to tell this story. Right. I think Mall Rats is not as good as Clerks, but Chasing Amy is the best of that loose trilogy. So that's another good sequel. Yeah, well, the, the viewer's universe right. is... Chasing Amy almost isn't a part of the trilogy. Yes, it's its, its own it's thing. Just a, right. Kevin Smith decided that all these characters were from the same universe sure. and just told stories from that universe. Um, that kind of thing is interesting with, I guess, what are called stealth serials where you don't really know it's a serial or they decide afterwards. And that happened with Get Out. Um, there was a fan theory. Catherine Keener was playing the same character in both movies. And then Spike Jones and Jordan Peele said, you know what? Yes, she is. That's now canon. Get Out is a sequel to being John Malkovich. <laughs> like suddenly. <laughs> and that sort of became a sequel after the fact. So that's kind of neat. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Train Spotting had the same thing happen with um, Shallow Grave because Keith Allen plays a drug dealer and it's the same drug dealer in both. So <laughs> it makes them sequels. They, they take place in the same world. So just like you can build an entire franchise around Spider-Man, you can apparently do it around Keith Allen playing a drug dealer. My superpower is cocaine. And then you're not limited to the original story, you just have like that linchpin mm-hmm. of a character who can turn up in both stories. So that doesn't always work out with things like Home Alone 2, where it goes to New York and encounters the same criminals. <laughs> just bringing back the characters isn't always a, a key to success. Yeah, because you've also recreated the scenario from the first mm-hmm. thing. I think the most tortured sequel Ooh. that I ever saw was Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> That's a pretty tortured first film. Okay. I, like, I loved that first. I was 13 when it came out, and okay. I loved that first film. That's, I, that's a good age to watch the first one. They kept punishing that poor cadaver. <laughs> yes. There is some great slapstick in that mm-hmm. film. And then someone said, oh, there's there's money to be made here. <laughs> We're going to make another Weekend at Bernie's film. And so was, some poor screenwriter is like... Blood from a stone. Like, what else can we get out of this one idea? Yep. Yeah. And credit to them, Bernie's corpse is put under a spell so that when it hears music, it dances. It zombie dances. Same. Um, and it's it's so tortured, but someone needed a solution and found it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got the blood out of that stuff. That'll work. I'm trying to think of the most tortured one I can think of. Rocky Horror Picture Show had a sequel called Shock Treatment. And that's weird because a lot of the same yeah. actors are in it, but they're playing different characters and they recast 
the original roles with new actors and it was also a massive flop so yeah, yeah. didn't the original characters all go to space in a rocket yeah, or something? sure why not and why wouldn't they at the end of every film i think oh it yeah. runs in the family that's a good one so that is a sequel to a christmas story so about 10 11 years later they made a sequel to christmas story called it's runs in the family but it takes place just after the first film but everybody had aged for 10 years so they recast almost everybody Huge, <laughs> insane flop. And then they made A Christmas Story 2, not 3, 2, which basically <laughs> ignores the entire existence of It Runs in a Family and tries to pretend that film didn't exist. So that's kind of fun. Little inter-arguments in the films themselves. And that's not the only time that's happened, I don't think. Well, there was Even Surf 2 in the 80s. And that's fun because there was never a Surf original film. It's a sequel to a film that never existed. It's kind of a spoof film. And though the first joke is the idea that it's Surf 2. Go, go look for the first one, we dare you. So that's kind of fun. Ah, this is like Leonard part six. Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. I'm sure that one holds up. There was a funny joke about butter in that one. Where's your rubber bands, guys? Wow. Weird stuff you remember from films. Especially films that are unmemorable. Right. (laughs) Not not exactly a great one. And then you've got this element of rebooting, which is, it's it's like, like you, you had sequels that were kind of a reboot so that you could make the same movie again, but with more money. And now we've, Hollywood has sort of codified that and gone, no, no, no. We reboot it. We make the same movie again, but with more money and new stuff. Sure, right. The most recent Star Wars, or sorry, Star Trek movies are essentially kind of a reboot, but also kind of in an alternative universe. So they did some interesting things there. That's the great thing about sci-fi is that when, you, when you're doing all this stuff, you can just write it into in-universe that, that that's how this all works yeah. after all. Look, there's all these different Spider-Mans from all these different Spider-Mans universes. Is Spider-Man's the pearl, not Spider's man? Spider, spiders, spiders, man, Matrix man, spider. Hmm. spider per- I think this is a sticky web. <laughs> it's a deed. We talked earlier about Evil Dead Two, and that's essentially a remake, kind of a reboot mm. of the original Evil Dead. Just let's do it again with more money and kind of as a comedy, which I found hilarious. But I remember in the cinema, oh. nobody else was laughing. I'm like, am I wrong? Is this not a comedy? I think it's a comedy. I'm pretty sure it's in, this is supposed to be a funny one. Um, I still think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of horror movies like that, though, Dawn of the Dead, I think, is a better movie than Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead is a classic, but Dawn of the Dead has more to say about zombies. It kind of canonically says zombies are a type of thing, and we can talk about society beyond what Night of the Living Dead does, although it kind of does, too, with race relations. So I think that's an idea of somebody making a a sequel and having more to say. They've had the opportunity to do a little bit more world building, Mm. I guess. And shoot it in a mall. If you were to make a sequel to something, would, what sort of things would you want to avoid? And what sort of things oh, would you goodness. be thinking about? Well, I've come to enjoy sequels. The idea of making one sounds terrible because it sounds so confining. And also, since I'm the sort of person that if I was given power, I would have to abuse it. I would necessarily <laughs> make a prequel in which I just kill main characters. My like, ah, you wouldn't see that coming, did you? I guess you'll have to make another film to explain why. They like if I was making the Star Wars prequels, I would have totally killed Darth Vader because then you just have a different person. Turns out that wasn't the Darth Vader. It's this guy. It was all whatever. You just play with it. Nobody would see it coming. I, I would never clever. be able to resist that. I mean, 100% it, I would kill off the main characters. In a it's prequel. about the Clone Wars. Of course you sure. kill off Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> right. And just keep them coming. More and more of them. Why not? Because what the heck? Of course I would. So whatever, I would rather do a prequel than a sequel, I think, specifically for that, for the option to really mess with, with people. Just why not? Make a prequel to Harry Potter and kill off Hermione. 
And now it's Hermione bot in the later films and just like colors everything. That's why she's so good at math. I guess they kind of did that with uh, the Marvel Endgame thing. They destroyed a bunch of characters, but you knew that they had to come back. Yes. And, and all comic books are big for that, though. They, they kill off yeah. major. And you, no, no one's ever really dead in a comic book. Unless yeah. you're unpopular, yeah. then you'd be dead for a while. But that's it. Yeah. There is Aliens. That's a very famous uh, See, sequel. I think Aliens but- is at least as good as Alien. I love both those films. But I think Prometheus is terrible. Terrible. Oh, my goodness. And that's that's an example of a bad prequel, I think. I think it's just an awful film. But they had to explain a bunch of stuff that didn't – well, they didn't. They, they <laughs> Their story was explaining a bunch of stuff that didn't need to be explained. Yeah. There was something so uh, delightful about how unknowable things were, these giant space jockey creatures, and you're like, oh, my goodness, where did they come from? No one wanted that answered. They and just liked yeah, the idea. That's fundamentally one of the problems with the prequel is, is you're giving backstory, and sometimes – you're better off not having it. I do think Darth Vader was better when we didn't know him as a kid. Like that's, that's just inherently, it was a bad idea to give us, Darth Vader is better as just a big mystery. It it undercut Darth Vader in the same way they undercut Harry and Lloyd in making dumb and dumberer, the prequel to that. I just don't take characters and give me a backstory. All terrible. Again, I don't think all prequels are necessarily bad, but, but, but that's certainly a danger. Yeah. And if you don't have a story and you're, and you're like, well, the only thing that I need, I have to tell is, how the characters got to where they were, ah, that's probably a mistake. Right. And like you say, if, if your motivation isn't, I've, I've got, I'm burning to tell this story versus, my goodness, look at that check, then probably it's not going to, you're going to end up with Home Alone 2 or, mm. or famously, look what's happened to Rosemary's Baby. I mean, the title alone, my goodness, <laughs> going to make a sequel to Rosemary's Baby, you call it that. Wow. <laughs> my goodness. But Burns 2, terrible. Hollow Man 2, terrible Candyman. Candyman had a sequel called farewell to the flesh and i swear they never saw the first film they fundamentally didn't understand the second half of the first film brilliant film and second movie says no that that didn't happen i, I don't understand it. it was too complicated yeah well when you've got a different creative team doing a sequel they can undo stuff from, or, or even the same creative team you look at the matrix the now, The Matrix is a really good one to talk about why its sequels didn't work, which I feel that they didn't work. Oh, strong and agree. Yeah. That first story is about Neo realising that he's important. It's about that character having growth. Yes. So he goes from one state into another state, and that state is like this god emperor type creature. The end of it is, I don't know how this is going to end, but I know how it's going to start, and it's starting now. But it seems like a, a great change has been made in this narrative world and then you go to the next film and the 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 main character still has to be neo but he's already had his change there's nowhere that you can change you can't have a god creature then put in peril and change (laughs) right yeah what are you going to do so instead you go have a dance party and 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 that's it Mm. yeah terrible terrible i mean if you wanted it to work you could have like the fall of him sure like or you could focus the story on someone else but again, the Matrix made so much money, there there was going to be a sequel. So I guess as if you're the creative force behind it, you think, well, maybe I can control it versus just let somebody else make it. But it was it was a wrong choice. They should never have made either of those sequels, I think. Gosh, they were hard to watch. Yep. Versus, say, Toy Story. Toy Story 2, fantastic. Toy Story 3, fantastic. You can make yes. great sequels. Yes. And now... Disney had like a long history of making real dodgy sequels, mm-hmm. but that seemed to stem more from uh, resources. 
point of view. They would give them all these resources for this big movie, and then the se- the sequel they hand it off to some other people and go, "This is going to sell anyway." So you have a sixth the budget. But a lot, a lot of times because of video, though, a lot of director video stuff from from Disney, mm. where they say this is not going to get a theatrical release, and so yeah, we're making our budget tuned accordingly. Yeah, but you can make but great he, films on a low budget, though. He said, "Yes, <laughs> yes, but you've, if you're hiring someone to make to write a story, they're not going to rewrite it six times." Mm. even though you're only paying them to write it twice unless they really care about that product. Whereas something like Toy Story, Pixar seem to really care about storytelling. They work hard at that part of things. Yes. Possibly this comes because it, because it's so expensive to change things halfway through. Well, it is, it is in a sense, except they do so much work ahead of time that they do change things. I mean, that's why I think Pixar is so good is they're changing their films so often up until the point that they're rendering it. Massive sweeping changes to the film. So also interesting. Right. I don't know if they've ever done a prequel. Oh, Monsters University. That would be a prequel. Okay. I think it's probably the only prequel. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. How the monsters met each other. Right. Again, not anywhere near as strong as the no. first monsters, no. which was a great story about a great idea. Yeah. Like this is, these are people who sat down at lunch and went, Oh, what if monsters did this? What if this happened? What is this? Now we have to build this world. Yeah. Whereas then before they're like, all right, well. How do they meet? How do we get to that world? Yes. Less interesting. Like, fundamentally less interesting. Oh, my goodness. And it's like, oh, well, now we need some artificial peril. Right. But, that, I mean, they, they also have the opportunity to not do a sequel to stories that they don't have a great story for. There was never a Bug's Life to. No, but there were sequels to Cars. Not all the best ones get sequels. So, yeah. Well, I quite liked Cars 2. I liked Cars 2 better than Cars 1. Uh, uh, I kind of liked them the same, was, which is not much. I did not like the first one very much, but it was for a different demographic. It wasn't necessarily a movie for me. But the second one was like this weird 007 parody. And I'm like, I can get on board with right, this. Okay. I'm still going to be very distracted by the fact that all of these cars have handles. Right. Who are right. the handles for, Carrington? Exactly. Who are the handles for? It's like a, a belly button. For cars, you just don't, you don't ask. Uh, well, speaking of Bond, <laughs> though, Spy Things, I think the second Bond film is better than the first. Would be from uh, Russia with one Love. after Doctor No. Yeah, I think Do- from Russia with Love is better than Doctor No. So I think that's a, that's a sequel that's better than the, the I think probably a controversial take, but my opinion, better film. Bride of Frankenstein, yeah, better than the first Frankenstein film. Universal's first Frankenstein film, good. Bride of Frankenstein, 1935, in all ways a, a superior film. Mm. Well, 007 again came from a serialized mm-hmm. right. okay. thing. Yep. So it's sort of built into it. Right. Um, but yeah, Bride of Frankenstein's an interesting one. Yep. There's not a lot like of prequel it, or not a lot of sequels that I think are fundamentally better. Although I like Gremlins 2 better than Gremlins. And I like Tremors 2 better than Tremors. So I'm not necessarily, you know, right about things. But both of those films I think are superior <laughs> sequels. Everybody else disagrees, but I think they're both better. Gremlins 2 is yeah, a, it's so an funny. amazing sequel on a conceptual level because the person making it hated the idea of doing it, <laughs> so subverted every right. element of it. And so it's, it's a, almost like a parody of the delightful. first one, but made by the first guy. Yeah. And I love uh, Joe it. Joe Dante? Yeah. Is that? And I absolutely yeah. love it. So I remember loving it as a kid. I tried to watch it again recently, and I'm like, oh, I'll finish watching this later. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't quite get through the late 80s style of uh, sure. movie making. Okay, I hear you. But, yeah, I'm, I'll return to it one day. I, re- I remember there being good bits. Yep. 
this building is on fire. There's some great bits in Gremlins too, I think. <laughs> so we've got money-making ventures. We do indeed. With, Look but, at us. So that's def- there's definitely that. There's also multi-chapter epics that people are doing these days, like something like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. There are stories that are so big they can't be contained in a single film. And then there are stories so big like The Hobbit that they could easily have been contained in one film. Wow, that thing was padded like crazy. Let's just have another couple of those films. Come on, come on. You've seen the size of the book? It's like nine pages. It's a nine-page children book. How is that three large children's books? It's not a. It's not a tricky. I mean, I like it. It's a good children's book, but come on, it's not three three three-hour movies. Wow. Yeah, I just from what I understand, the filmmakers are like, "What are you crazy?" And then someone was like, "No, that's what you're going to do. People will see these films. People will see. Look at thicker the money we'll make." But, yeah, you do have these sequels that work great because they were sort of planned from the get-go. When you're making films, generally films made from short stories work great. Sure, yeah, because there's really only a short story's worth of story in most feature Mm. films. But then a book, like you try to make a book out of a film from a book and it it feels like it's loaded. It's There's too much stuff in it in in the movie. Depending on the book, but Uh, almost always, yes. Yeah. Even in that first Harry Potter film, it felt so much like a bunch of chapters. Mm. They were so behoven to the author that they were like, oh, no, it's just going to be the book, but put on screen. In some ways, I mean... Let's make a screenplay. when When it's a book that I don't love, then I am always of the mind that you should treat the book kind of like when you're making a based on real life. It's just a suggestion. The story should go where the story's going to go and you should just make the film you want to make. When it's based on a book that I love, then I rail against <laughs> any change whatsoever. So it kind of depends on the source material. Yeah, I don't know how many many books you like. How many movies based on books that I'm like, oh, no, they've they've ruined it because of that. Yeah, Hitchhikers was ruined for an entirely different reason. Right, Hitchhikers. My goodness, we could talk about that one for ages. And I have done so on the uh, Raven on podcast. (laughs) Yes, you have. And I agreed with everything you said because I, too, loved Hitchhikers from a little kid and all the various versions of it, the book and the record and like all of it. And, and of course, the original BBC production. And then the movie came out and just broke my heart a million times. (sighs) Yeah. There's this weird thing where there are certain sequels that come out 20, 30 years later Mm -hmm. They're like, we finally found another story to tell. Right. But we, we needed to wait for this long for it to happen. There you go. Now we're ready. What about you? What do you think is the best prequel of all time? Best prequel? <laughs> is there I one? Can't, they, I don't think there is. Right, okay. I don't, I've, I've never been really invested in a, any prequel right. story. Okay. I mean, the, the one I like the most is the fan theory that Jar Jar Binks was actually a dark Sith right. lord okay. who was pulling the strings and that the, the original intent was that he would betray them all. But then after everyone hated the character so much, George Lucas got cold feet. So I reckon that maybe if that had been done well, that could have worked quite. That yeah. could have been great. So, yeah, the, the best prequel that ever happened was one that was never made. Right. Okay. Yeah. But what about sequels? What would be your vote for best sequel? That's a much more open field. I have a real soft spot for Austin Powers 2 okay. that you mentioned before. But I think mostly that's because I had such a great time seeing it because there was a, a midnight showing of it where my friends and I all dressed up. Oh, we nice. A, a theatre full, packed full of people who were there at midnight 
to watch a dumb comedy film and everyone was there for it. You don't get that. Oh, I don't get that anymore because I certainly don't go to opening night right. in a movie theatre anymore. Well, you're missing Can out. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, well, nowadays, no, of course, but... And uh, no one goes to see comedies at the theatre anymore. And that's such what? a shame because being in a, in a packed room full of What do you people, mean nobody goes to see comedies anymore? Of course they do. Uh, at the at the movie theater, yeah, definitely people people we go people, and we laugh. We just don't invite you. Yeah, hundred percent. We're all there. We're all there laughing. Ha ha ha. We say Dan doesn't get to see this one. Was I was I a problem? Was I laughing too hard? Not enough. <laughs> both oh, no. both. Ironically, both at the same time. <laughs> Intermittently. Ha. Mm, <laughs> silence. Ha. Silence. No, actually, that is how I laugh. But yeah, no. I, I, okay, I can see why that would be a problem. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been a wonderful chat. You have given me all sorts of things to consider and hopefully given the audience things to consider. And more importantly, you've filled a gap in our schedule. (laughs) Most importantly of all, I was here and available. So thank you so much for being here and available, Carrington. Now, why are you pausing? And it seems to be struggling a little bit. Yeah, Uh-oh. you're sort of flicking off, on and off. Maybe I'll just talk like th- <laughs> just to mess you up. That would work beautifully. <laughs> we will call this I- segment "Wah Wonders Why Dan Keeps Letting Carrington Be on the Show." Oh, no, Greg wanted to call it "Wah is not invited." So. <laughs> <laughs> If you like winter sports, which I don't, and you really like going outside in the cold and seeing the beautiful landscapes covered in snow, which I don't, then you might really enjoy Canadian winter, which I don't. Right. When I visited, it was in mid-autumn, and I saw like the first snow, and I was like, "This is magical!" And there, were, and I couldn't understand why people were like, "Oh, it begins." <laughs> exactly, winter is coming. Uh, the megafauna are less likely to eat you, but that's kind yeah. of the only advantage. I, I found it very charming and magical until I, the first puddle I stepped in. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I get it now. So you're about to go into summer. What will the summer be like? It will be a goddamn inferno. <laughs> that's like. Uh, the place we're staying at has air conditioning and a pool. So Excellent. maybe it won't be so yeah. hard. Kind of hard on the environment, but not hard on you. Yeah, what's the environment done for me lately? <laughs> exactly. I used to be its greatest defender. <laughs> What'd she do? Came down out of the sky, <laughs> fucked everything up. There was a contest in Canada to figure out what is the Canadian version of as American as apple pie. In Canada, weirdly, the phrase that won the contest in Canada was as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. I'm like, what? So, I'm like, sure, that's what we picked for ourselves. Great. Like, anyone's going to use that phrase. Whatever. Just maple syrup. Man. I assume it would be something catastrophically bland, like <laughs> as Aussie as a slab of beer. Okay. Or, Wait, what's a slab uh, of beer? You would get a, a can of beer, mm-hmm. but in a sort of a pallet of 24. Oh, I've never heard that. A slab. Okay, a slab. Hmm. So it looks like a concrete block. Sure, we, like but it's, so it's a it's it's beer, a slab of beer. Um, no, we just have cases. I think as as Australian as casual racism, <laughs> maybe catchy. 
I'd done a film, a short film once called Blood and Water and made it intentionally to make a short film that I would send a different version of to each of the cast members. It wasn't meant for production. I told everybody putting out for uh, to go in festivals, but instead I was making a film and the audience was the cast members and I cut different versions of the films intentionally meant to poke at them so when they discussed it, they'd be talking about different films and they wouldn't know it and it was delightful. <laughs> Where they're all getting upset that their best lines were cut. I'm like, yeah, they were only cut in the version I gave to you. You're cut out of this person's film. You're the hero in this one. I overdubbed you with a different person's voice. I just messed with them all. It was great. You're the Canadian Nathan Fielder. <laughs> I'm, just, You're like I'm just a big Sasha Barrett Cohen. It was just, it was delightful listening to them all talk about it until they finally figured out they were all looking at different films. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a trickster guy. <laughs> I have written a book. Oh, wait, I didn't know that. Novel. Have you talked about that? Um, I've mentioned it here and there on the podcast. I listened to the podcast. I don't remember you saying that. I've mentioned that the the top tier patrons oh. get access to the book as it's being written. I just tune out everybody's patron talk on podcasts. Then you would have tuned out the last episode where I said, people are just tuning this out. Right. <laughs> yes. He's like, no, they love it. I'm like, they don't love it. They're skipping it. Wouldn't it be hilarious so if I had not shown up in this show or I had ducked down halfway through and somebody else came up and just started talking and refuses yeah. to acknowledge it's not me. And I'm like, have I gone face blind? Oh, shouldn't give me these ideas. I have these ideas now and now it's dangerous to have me back on your show. <laughs> I know. I know. I've, I've already worked that out. It's so tempting. Friend of the podcast. It's too late now. <laughs>